0: Um, It is good to be with you this morning. Um, I honestly really didn't know if I was going to be here this Sunday. This has been a very trying week for me. Um, If you guys saw me last week or your kids did last Sunday, I was out um, teaching with the kids in Children's Church last week and they could barely hear me. I was squeaking and I I lost my voice last Sunday because I began getting a cold last Saturday. And this cold has lasted all week. Um, I was off work on Friday I mean on Monday and um, our whole house was sick my wife had a cold she had other sickness uh, my little boy Pierce he's running 103 during the week um, my little girl just the other day started running a fever and so we have had a household of sickness and Friday morning I woke up in the worst condition I'd been all week and I was very discouraged um, because I felt God had a word for me for today, and so I was really discouraged because God, I've been God heal me so that I can preach on Sunday, and it just wasn't coming. And it, it, and I, I actually sent a message to Ryan and Adam and and Eric and said, guys, I need one of you guys be prepared for Sunday because I don't think I'm going to make it. Um, I don't, I'm not getting better, I'm getting worse. And um, so I just laid that down with God, and I, I went to an urgent care. You know got some some antibiotics, and usually antibiotics don 't really help much for a, a cold, but here I am today by god 's grace and I believe it 's god 's healing and god 's restoration and, and, and god 's word that wants to speak for today so i 'm excited about that um, so l- let me ask you a question: how many of you guys like grapes? A few of you most most people do enjoy grapes, and th- this was the time in the service where I was actually going to pass out grapes to all of you. I was going to buy grapes. But I figured that was a bad idea, especially after giving a testimony how everyone in my house has been sick. And then I'm going to pass out grapes and you're going to be like, oh, no, thank you. I'm not touching those. So just the thought was counted. Just know that the thought counts, you know. And so you can see up here a big, you know, cluster of grapes. We got a whole vineyard thanks to Adam and his, you know. So just picture that in your mind for me today. But I, I did prepare 10 fun facts about grapes. So I'll share those with you. Starting with number one, it says around the world there are more than 8,000 varieties of grapes. There are seven different colors of grapes. Red, green, white, black, purple, blue, and golden. Number two. America's oldest grapevine is 400 years old and is in North Carolina. Number three. Wine has been made from grapes since 5,000 B.C. 5,000 years before Christ, wine has been made from grapes. Number four. Figs and olives are the only fruit mentioned more than grapes in the King James Bible. Bet you didn't know that. 72 million tons of grapes are produced around the world each year. Number six, about a quarter of the grapes used in the U.S. are from Chile. Didn't know that either. Number seven, while grapes are 80% water... When they become raisin, their content is just 15%. So they shrivel up real good, and they only have 15% of water in them. Number nine. No, no, I'm oh, sorry. Number eight. bet you didn't know this. I didn't know it either. Grapes are botanically classified as berries. So if you didn't think you like berries, if you like grapes, you like berries now. All right, number nine. For those that are healthy, you want to be healthy, here you go. Grapes contain low levels of cholesterol, sodium, and fat and are rich in vitamins K and C. So eat up. Just go wild with grapes. Just eat as many as you like. But it leads me to number 10, which is a drum roll all of you have been waiting for and excited to read about. Number 10. Grapes are a great laxative if you eat too many. So just know those if you want to go for your healthy kick and you want to eat all your vitamin C and K. I don't know how many is too many. I'll let you guys experiment with that, a couple pounds, I don't know, but there are great laxatives in there, you know. I may get in trouble with my daughter, she may call that potty talk, you know. But, so I wanted to just introduce you to that, because I want to start off with this passage in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 talks about Jesus being the grapevine. So let me read you this passage and we'll get started right away. John 15, chapter um, 15, starting in verses 1. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. It says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For the branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may, ma- you may ask anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So this is a great picture of Christ saying that I am the true grapevine and you are the branches. To be connected to me bears fruit. And without being connected with me, you cannot bear fruit. And he uses some strong language here. You know, he says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And I believe what he's saying there, that there, there is, there is no hope outside of being connected with Christ. And Jesus makes those proclamations in John 14:6. He says, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So he boldly proclaims there is no other way in our lives to produce fruit or to be fruitful outside of Christ. He says, you have to remain in me. I am the true vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I remain in them will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So, the first thing I want to talk about, I'm going to use an acronym, VINE. The first one is verify that you are connected to the source of life. We are a connected society, aren't we? Whether through wires or wireless, we are a connected society. I can pull out my smartphone right now, and I can can send an email or a a message to one of my customers in Singapore. My my, my iPhone is connected to my iPad. My iPad can connect to my computer. My computer can connect to other computers. My car can connect to my phone. My phone can connect to my headpiece. Everything we do in so many ways are connected. In, in so many ways, we are connected a lot through electronics and media and things like that. But let me ask you, what, what, what is our brain trained to do, just instinctively? I don't know about you, but mine is. You look at the top. What's at the top? How many bars are you connected? How many dots? How, you know, you, or your Wi-Fi connection? Your, our brains—I mean, my brain—is just wired. Oh, how many bars do I got? Oh, oh, okay. Let me hold it up here. No, nope, okay. You know, how, how many Wi-Fi bars do I got? Am I connected? And then when you're not connected, your whole life can fall apart. I know at my work, if my—if my, if our network goes down, the whole plant—the whole plant shut down. We can't do anything. We're just walking around. What are we doing? I don't know. You know? <laughs> but we're so connected but I wonder how often are we checking our connection with Christ are we looking for those bars are we looking for those dots and saying wow my my Wi-Fi connection with Christ is no signal no signal no signal what is the strength of your connection with Christ because Based on this passage, it should be evident on our connection with Christ. There should be something at the end of it. There should be a connection with Christ that shows evidence of that. So the question I ask for us today is how do you know that you're connected with Christ? How do you know that you're connected with Christ? It's probably the most important question of all this morning. Because nothing else really matters besides being connected with Christ. So let me read you a couple passages. 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. My dear children, I am writing this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we, and we can be sure... That we know Him. We can know that we are connected with Him if we obey His commands. His commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey His commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's Word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. That is how we know we are connected in Him. Those who say they live in God, those that say they are connected in God, should live their lives as Jesus did. That's the first way. To know that our sins have been atoned for, they have been forgiven, that Jesus Christ went before the Father and says, I will pay the price for them. I will pay the price for their sins, and I will go to the cross to forgive them, not only you, but for all the world. He says, those who obey my commands show that they love me, That they show that they obey me. It's evidence that they are connected with him. They are connected with Christ. That they are connected in him. It says those who live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's something that I I have to daily work on. Because I don't know if my life every day shows that I live like Jesus did. So then i got to go back and check my signal. Check my connection with Christ. So the second way, Ephesians 2, 4-7 says, But God, and so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united. We are connected with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that He has done for us who are united, who are connected in Christ Jesus you are saved not by yourself you're not saved by your works you are saved by the grace of god and what's powerful about that is it says you were once dead in your sins you were dead in your transgressions you were dead in the way that you lived and god says he as christ raised from the dead you will be raised from the dead you have been re- united with christ when you enter that relationship with jesus you are no longer the same person 2 corinthians 5:17 it says If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God has birthed something new in you. When you connect with Jesus Christ, when you connect to the vine, your life has changed. He says he raised you from the dead that you may go. And he does this for his own glory. He says that all future generations will see who he is because of what he's done in you. You impact future generations by how you live today. And it brings God glory in saying, look what I did in them a long time ago. Look what I did in Job. Look what I did in Moses. Look what I did in David. Look what I did in Ryan. Let me look, look what I did in Adam's life and how his life was marked by change. For all future generations to see that God has moved in your life. And when he does that, that's where that fruit begins to bear and begins to produce more and more. So the first question I ask that you go back is verify your connection with the source of life. What is your connection like with Christ? Is it showing no signal? Low bars? That you begin to weave your life being connected with Christ that everything you do shows evidence of what He has done for you. So that's the first one. So, after verifying that we are connected to the vine, we have to go to the next step. Inspect your branch to ensure you are being fruitful. It was pretty clear in there. It says being connected with the vine, you're going to produce fruit. And those that don't produce fruit, they cut those off so that they can even he says he prunes them so they can produce even more fruit. Many of you have heard Galatians 5:22 to 23, the fruits of the spirit. It says for the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We've heard those things. Those are the evidences of the fruit that God is wanting to produce in us. They're not new. They're not some revolutionary thing. But God says those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that we should begin seeing in our lives. And God says in His Word that we can tell a tree by its fruit. If you're connected in the vine, you're going to bear fruit. Whether you produce all of them at one time, it may not happen at one time. But it's going to be evident in our lives when we are connected with Christ. But you can tell a tree by its fruit. So let me read you another passage, Matthew 7:15 through 20. It says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. By the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Wow. What does your fruit look like? What is being produced by your life? Another example of this is five years ago we moved into a house um, over in Clear Lake. And um, um, we were... uh, First week we were there, I was out in the backyard, and my neighbors have an orange tree, okay? And the orange tree is right next to the fence, and the orange tree oranges are just hanging right over on my side. And my dad was with us, and uh, we were going, oh, and he's like, oh, yeah, look at that orange tree. Oh, yeah, that looks good. He goes and pulls a fruit. You know, it's on my side, so, you know, we didn't tell my neighbor, you know, that we took the fruit. But, you know, so, so he grabs this orange, it smells like an orange, looks like an orange, opens it up. Looks like an orange. Takes a bite of it. <laughs> it was the nastiest, sourest piece of fruit he'd ever tasted. It was horrible. It was actually horrible. And I've even, years later, I am said, okay, that was just a bad first crop, something like that. You know, maybe it's gotten better. Same thing, a year ago, just this last year. Oh, orange hanging out, okay. Looks good. It smells good. Opens it up. Take a bite. It's sour as can be. It is bad fruit. It is bad. And I thought it was just that one time. but you know what the reality is? You can't always tell a fruit by its cover what it looks like. And you know what I want to warn us about? is trying to manufacture fruit in our own selves. Because when you open it up, you can try to manufacture love. You can try to manufacture peace. You can try to manufacture gentleness or self-control. You can try to manufacture those things out of your own willpower and your own desire to do something good. But if it's not connected in Christ, it's not going to be good fruit. It may look good on the outside. People may think you're a good person. Some people may even think you're godly. But it's what's inside that counts. And I have to guard myself about that because sometimes I want to manufacture things in my own power. God says, no. That's a bad tree. That tree should be cut down. It's worthless. Because the thing is, the fruit that we produce should be drawing people closer to Christ, not pushing them away. Does your fruit that you bear, that you walk in, that you give to others, that you show to the world, is it bringing people closer to Christ? Or are they saying, I don't want to have anything to do with Christ. That person has nothing nothing good about them. Yeah, they look good at times. They're pretentious. They, They think they're good. But in reality, that fruit is no good. What are the fruit? Have you inspected the fruit that you are bearing? Because God wants us to be fruitful. He just says, remain in me. Connect with me. And you will bear much fruit. Lasting fruit. So identify. Inspect your branches. See if you're even producing fruit. Are you even producing fruit? Are you allowing yourself to be, you know, going back to the first one, connecting with Christ to saying, God, I want to connect with you that I may be fruitful, that I may share with others what you are doing in me. So verify you're connected to this source of life. Inspect your branches to ensure that you're being fruitful. Ensure that the fruit that you're producing is bringing people closer to Christ, not farther away. Not pushing them away. So leads me to the next on the part of the acronym. So V, uh, verify your um, connection to the source of life. I, inspect your branches. Next, N. Never reject God's pruning. Going back to John John chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. I like that very first the very first part of the verse, it says that I am the grapevine and my Father is the gardener. I'm so glad God is the gardener and not us. And the act of pruning is a cutting away. I'm so glad that God is the one choosing where to cut and move and shape and change us. It's not my job to prune you. It's not my job to prune my wife. It's not my, pr- you know, my job to prune others. It is a God's job to prune that vine. And he knows what is best for that vine. He knows what is best for you. So in my r- little research, I mean, in the research that I did on pruning, here's a great example, a picture right here showing the different um, aspects of pruning. So this is year one of a grapevine. Says in the spring, and then in the summer it begins to shoot up, and it begins these these um, vines that begin to produce and branches that begin to grow upward. And then winter, look what happens. Bam! It is cut back. The winter pruning. They cut that down to just stubs. And then year two, you you see incredible growth, and you even see fruit being bared on this tree, on this vine, and fruit. And then the winter pruning. Look how much has changed on that pruning. They say 80 to 90% of the previous year's growth is cut off every year and pruned back. So you can see it in year two. And then in year three, the summer begins, and the, the, the fruit has just multiplied even more. That vine has begun to produce more branches off of it, and more fruit is being produced. And then it's pruned again, and it's being shaped. It's being cut back for it to have even a greater harvest. God is wanting to prune on us so that we can produce even more fruit. Because if it would just left in the spring and summer, that yield would have been nothing compared to what it was in year, year three. If they did not do the pruning, that was required for it to grow. The pruning is a natural process of what God is wanting to do in us, the gardener, to shape us. So when I was looking and reading through these, there was three types of prunings that I came across. And there are these up here. It says the three types of pruning that I came across is preparing for new growth. Every winter, they cut back that plant in preparation for a new growth. For a new growth that's coming through. Number two, removing excess and non-producing branches. See, even during the summer, you saw those, those vines, um, and, and you'll see in here, they can cr- become incredibly dense, the foliage and the green and everything like that, even during the summer. And what I was reading or what I was watching in that kind of thing is that even during the summer, they'll go through, the gardeners will go through, and they'll begin to look at the, the whole vine and the whole branches and see how much these, these offshoot branches are going on. And what they do is they begin even cutting those that have fruit on them, the buds, the beginnings of buds. And those that do not have buds. And the reason do, they do that is they begin to prune it and cut it back so that the light can shine through and the air can move through the vine. Because what happens is if, if those things aren't pruned back, and those, even the excess and the, the small producing fruits are not cut back, is when it rains, it gets rot. Because there's not enough space for the light to move through and dry that, those vines and those branches so that they can dry properly. And if they don't dry properly, they begin to rot and they get to and you lose your fruit and you lose your crop. It's the same thing for us. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, yeah, I'm connected with Christ at points. But there's so much going on in my life. There's so much foliage. There's so much stuff. Whether it be my sin whether it be my life, just the busyness of life, of all the stuff shooting up in my life, and it's not allowing God to come in and breathe and shine His light into my life so that I can properly grow the fruit that He wants me to produce. That's where I'm at. There's This last seven months where I've changed jobs, taken a manager position, and just life has been busy. And there's been stuff and, 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 and just stuff going on. And God says, I need to prune that back so that I can allow my light to shine in you so that when the storms of life come, the rains, which they do, you'll properly be dried and ready and prepared for more growth to produce the fruit that I want you to produce. So, maybe you're in the spot where you're just ready to be, you're new, and God wants to cut you back for a new growth. He's ready and excited to do something new in you. Maybe it's number two, that you need to just allow God to cut back some of the excess in your life, whether it be sin, whether it be stuff, activities, that you can step back and just begin to connect with Christ and allow Him to shine His light on you, that you begin to grow the fruit that He called you to grow. And maybe it's number three, to shape the fruit for a specific purpose. I, don't, I, I never noticed this, but they were showing in one of these for table grapes that after they get a cluster, it begins to grow. And you'll see this the clusters of uh, grapes growing. What they'll actually do is they'll snip the bottom part of that cluster of grapes off to make them more round. So they're easier to fit in our little packages. And so that when we pull them out, they're a nice big globe almost of grapes. So those gardeners will go and shape that fruit for a purpose. And maybe that's what God's wanting to do in you, to shape your fruit for a purpose. Maybe you're connected. Maybe you have light shining in you. Maybe God is watering you and growing you and doing great things, but sometimes there's just some little things that he needs to cut off to shape you for a purpose. That's what God is wanting to do in us. But when we talk about this pruning, it, it, it is not necessarily a, a fun concept to talk about. And let me read you another passage out of Hebrews chapter 12, 5 through 12. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's discipline disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one. As he accepts as his child. As you endure his, this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and lives forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for, for years, doing the best they knew how. Amen to that. Um, but God's discipline is always good for us. So that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there is a peaceful harvest of the right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living at peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the lord wow there's a lot in that passage right there there's a lot but god's discipline is as a child as a parent disciplines a child and we're learning that right now as we're trying to discipline and teach Audrey and Pierce that, and discipline them. And, and it's, Audrey will testify it's not fun. I'm, I'm thankful that right now, timeouts is enough. She'll cry, and it just, it's no fun being in timeouts. And then the next level is taking away the library books, and it's all over. You know, if she loses her libra- library books for the day, day's done. You know, it is a bad day. But that discipline is needed because I love Audrey. I love Pierce. And I want to shape them to be who God wants them to be. And that's the same thing God has for us. God wants to shape us because you are his child. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. And to do so, he has to sometimes prune us. To cut us back. Sometimes it's not fun. But the purpose of it, the purpose of Him shaping and molding us is to move us to holiness. Not mediocrity. Not so-so. Not in the middle. Because God has a plan for you. God has specific plans for each and every one of you. Fruit that only you produce that is used by God to the lives of other people. That He has shaped you for a purpose and He continues to want to work in you and continue to cut back your branches and cut back the excess and shape your fruit for a purpose. That purpose is holiness. I love that very last verse on there. I, I've, I've read it in other versions, the NIV version. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be Holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that's something that, honestly, I don't always strive for. Holiness. Holiness is complete obedience. I've, I've been reading a book, Every Man's Battle, and, and one of the challenging things that they come across is pursuing holiness instead of excellence. A lot of times we pursue excellence instead of holiness. But excellence still falls short. An like example, the same thing is in business. Companies pursue excellence, not perfection. Because perfection is too costly. When I send a forging on or I sell my product out to the customers, it's not perfect. There's, there's misalignments, there's shapes, it's not perfect. If it was perfect, I'd have to hand-handle every single piece. And the pursuit is to make something. So we want to be good enough. Good enough in the eyes of the customer. But Good enough is not what God is calling us to. It's not mere excellence. It sounds good because I've been there. That's what I pursue at times. That's what I pursue is excellence just to look good enough. God says, no, I want holiness. I don't want your partials, your leftovers, your half-hearteds. I want all of you. And I'm calling you to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And God has been challenging me on this. I've shared that with my, small, my guys in my small group. Is that God has been challenging me to go after more than just mere excellence. That I would be holy in all that I do. I'm, I'm not there. I've got a battle. I got to struggle. I got to keep fighting. I got to keep going back to the root and saying, "Am I connected with Christ? Where am I connected with Christ?" I need to inspect my fruit. Am I producing good fruit? I need to go back and say, "God, what do I need to cut back in my life? What do you need to prune in me that I can be what you want me to be?" And that's what God desires for us. That He begins to move and shape you for a, pr- a purpose. The last one, which is probably the most fun. So after verifying that we're connected to the source of life, inspecting our branches to make sure that we're bearing fruit, and never um, rejecting God's, God's pruning, the most fun part, enjoy and share your fruit with others. God has called us to enjoy the fruit, the bounty that God offers to us. Let's go back to John chapter 15, 9 through 17. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remained in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friend's. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. God has called us to enjoy. Sorry, sorry. Didn't know it would do that. Those grapes fall off. God has called us to enjoy His fruit. And He has called us to go and share with others. That this fruit would bear much, and this fruit would be given to others. God says, Your joy will overflow when you are obeying and you're remaining in my love. He says, Go and be fruitful. This is my command, love each other. Don't hold it in. Don't save it for yourself. He says, go and share. Taste and see his goodness. God calls us to be fruitful. But to be fruitful, we have to be connected with him to be connected with Him, the source of life begins to produce in us a fruit that can only be accounted for through the love of Jesus Christ. And through His love and through His strength and through His grace, we are called to say, God, take me, shape me, mold me, discipline me, prune me, that I can produce even more fruit. That I can go and touch more lives. He says, go and enjoy. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm disconnected from God, I get disconnected from a lot of things. When I get disconnected from God, it's easy for me to get disconnected with my wife, my kids, my coworkers. And there's no joy in that. There's no joy in being disconnected from God. It says, if you read through David, it says, your hand was heavy upon me because of my sin. God, David said, God, I confess, I need you. I need you to wash me. Wash me pure that I may go and be used and may go and speak forth your word into the lives of other people, that I can share the love with my children to raise them up in a godly home, that they may go and produce fruit themselves. God is wanting to move in us. But it all goes back to the first thing. Are you connected to the vine?